1: Welcome into episode 130 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one, the only, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
0: 43 minutes later, we get this episode started. We've been on Zoom for 43 minutes just talking like who who call who gets on zoom to have conversation
1: (laughs) we sit there and we just go through life and the latest in in our schedules and what's going on and the latest gossip and we're like oh yeah we have a show to record
0: (laughs) and and i'm like we could have already been finished with work maybe this is why i don't get anything done (laughs) Is we just stay on the the call and talk the entire time no i apologize ahead of time too uh
1: i have an awful head cold so,
0: if I sound horrible, I apologize.
1: You sound lovely just just no no issues at all. Everything is just fantastic um, so yeah, it's been a little bit since we've recorded a show, so uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, I actually lost my grandfather, so I will be going up to uh for the visitation and funeral and those things this weekend, so I've been kind of. Juggling, planning those sorts of things and and kind of just taking some time away. So I apologize for the delay, but Sean, we are back and we are better than ever. But before we get into the action, I wanted to tell our incredible. Sources say, listeners, about our friends at The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. I'm just starting to dip my toes into the world of sports betting, tossing a few bucks here and there throughout the week, just to add, you know, a little bit of spice to the games I'd be watching anyway. After being completely out of the loop, I found The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM, and it's been an absolute blast following along with the experts. Sports bettors know just how quickly Sean you know more than anybody how quickly the lines can change and when you've got a lot riding on those odds it pays to stay ahead of the curve host michael jenkins and chelsea messenger break down the big takeaways and make sure you know everything you need to bet smarter with featured guests like bookmakers odyssey insiders and BetMGM experts you've always got a fresh take on the action as much fun as it is to bet on the game it's even more fun when you've got the inside scoop ready to bet with an edge tune into the daily tip presented by bet mgm listen weekdays 6 a.m to 9 a.m eastern on odyssey spotify or your favorite podcast app sean a lot has happened in the last i guess the last podcast we recorded i believe was the reed shepherd commitment post so we've got what three games since then oh gosh, uh, yeah. i i think so i think we've had three games since then Let's talk about that first. We have a a commitment coming up that I know a lot of fans have been waiting patiently for, and, uh, there's been a change of plans and I'll kind of address how we got to that point with Robert Dillingham. It's been one hectic, just absolute chaotic mess behind the scenes. So that's definitely a behind the scenes scoop, uh, kind of story that I, I am very excited to share. And then I asked uh, some of our Twitter followers to share some questions with us. So we'll go through some of those to end the show. So, Sean, let's kind of just recap this last three-game uh, stretch for Kentucky. They, I believe the last game that we talked was the Ohio game. So since then they've beaten – Albany, 86-61. to North Florida, 86-52. And Central Michigan, just uh, um, Monday evening, 85-57. Uh, just kind of your thoughts after the team's start to the season versus what we've seen the last week and a half-ish uh, of games.
0: Yeah, and I've had a little bit of different view. I, I took photo for one game, so I didn't get to like really watch as much. And then one game, I, I wasn't able to be there. But to me, the the biggest thing is, is it's, it's just tune-up games. They're, they're taking care of business. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, are they prepared to play Ohio state and Notre Dame here in a few weeks after going nine and 16 last year, I'm okay with the schedule that was put together in November. They, they needed, especially the way that they've had the flu bug, they've had injuries, they've had all these other things. I just think it was big just to get, just to get reps and get game minutes. You're seeing, Dante Allen kind of take on a role that has kind of presented itself with C.J. Frederick's injury and then Davion Mintz being out for pretty much a week and things like that. So I think that that's the biggest thing that I'm taking away is, is guys are giving – have been given opportunities to carve out roles and some of them are doing it. And then you still haven't got to see this team at full strength, but they're they're winning games. The offense is playing well. Oscar Sheboy's doing his thing. Xavier Wheeler's doing his thing. Uh, the, the one thing I think that has surprised me to this point a little bit is I, I think we all keyed in on this team being a really, really, really good three-point shooting team and probably taking a higher number of threes, and we've not really seen that the last few games.
1: Yeah, seven for 26 is past game, so the, they're getting a lot of shots up, but not necessarily uh, hitting them at an at you know, the efficient clip, but I guess we were kind of anticipating. And then they, didn't they have, they had a game or two there too where they didn't really take me. Didn't they? Then like, weren't there a couple games where they got to like maybe 10 threes, 11 threes? Uh, let me, I'm going North or Albany, Kentucky takes uh, 15. Yeah. They, they, yeah 15. they take 15 against Albany. And then looking at the North Florida broad geez box score not broadcast uh uk shoots well 25 and that one, they only go six to 25 so <laughs> so yeah so it's it's the
0: shooting it's it's just they're not hitting as many is what i anticipated and, and i think that will improve as the year goes along i mean mints has been out uh we, we know that the, i mean it's just it's kind of a revolving door right now with who's going to be available and who's not going to be available
1: I think that's kind of the biggest storyline right now is that there is something going through the team right now that is a a sickness that is worrying John Calipari after I believe it was the North Florida game uh, because that was the game that that Keon Brooks missed due to illness. He admitted, he was like, look, my son Brad, he was the first that got it. We had three managers get it. Uh, Davion Mintz has missed now three straight games with it Uh, and then Keon Brooks missed one game with it he was a game time decision he said which I can't believe that this even happened that during shoot around on Monday uh, I guess the shoot around earlier in the day Damian Collins had a high fever and Cal still played him which I was kind of surprised that Cal would admit something like that but uh, but said that he was feeling a little bit better and his fever dropped right before uh, tip-off and and uh, he felt better, so he said, "Screw it, I'll I'll put him in." And uh, I think he said on his his and radio show Tuesday night that damien got sick again and is feeling really bad, and he's going to need this next week. So pretty much, you go down the list. We made it through this kind of tough game stretch, not tough by uh, you know opponent strength, but more so saying just a lot of games in in a short amount of time. And we now have this what eight day stretch right now where there's no game, so the team can get healthy. The team can uh, you know get serve pro in and wipe out the entire uh, wildcat lodge and uh, I, th- I think that's the biggest kind of takeaway right now is we just got to get through these next eight days without the entire team getting mono or whatever is going through the team right well now.
0: and and I actually made the decision the other night to not go to interviews with players uh, one because whatever bug is going through the locker room and two I'm sitting, I started feeling like I, I, like I have a head cold and stuff right now. So I was like, well, I won, don't want to go to them and get somebody else sick. So, I mean, it's certainly going through it. It's, it's going through my middle school team right now. Like, I mean, we're all dealing with, and it's not COVID. It's just, uh, whatever's, whatever this respiratory virus is. I mean, it seems to be running rampant.
1: Sean Smith, super spreader.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm the one that, got quarantined four times last year during the SEC part of the schedule. And then when it was all said and done, after all four quarantines, I end up with COVID. Yeah. My luck.
1: <laughs> go, go figure. Um, Sean, I, my biggest, I think, takeaway is just how – I guess outside of the sicknesses themselves – is just how quickly Ty Ty Washington has found his footing as a – as a a truly elite shooter and scorer at this level, uh, I I thought it was pretty telling that he was uncomfortable against Duke. And and you could really tell that he was getting to his spots, but he just didn't know. um, He he didn't, there was just an uncomfort there in that first game where you could tell that he's like, okay, maybe the spotlight's just a little bit too big for me. He was rushing things uh, kind of taking long contested twos and just, Threes that weren't, weren't falling. I mean, there, he went three of 14 in that opening game, but ever since then, uh, he has gone over 50% from the field every single game but one. And the one game that he didn't shoot uh, 50%, I think it was like 46%. So he's been if, as efficient as anybody on the team, and he's upped his scoring margin to uh, he scored t- 10 plus points every single game since that Duke game, uh, and, and averaging like 14.915 points per game. Uh, as of today. So uh, I am really impressed with Ty Ty's ability to just kind of take these games over and, and not like need a, a lot of – he's not scoring a lot of points on a lot of shots. He's doing it efficiently. He, he's like scoring a quiet 15, a quiet 16, a quiet 20 every single time he steps on the floor. He's just uh, one of those professional bucket getters, and and uh, it feels really – it's a big relief to have one of those guys on this team, Sean.
0: It is. Absolutely. And, and when you look at that Duke game, you go back, uh, it's been the complete opposite for Trevor Kills, right? Like that was the guy that went hot that night. Ty Ty Washington didn't have his best night, but it's been the opposite ever since that game. Would love to go back and play that game right now and see how that game plays out. Because if you get good tata Washington, Kentucky has a really good chance of winning that ball game in New York against Duke. But Ty, Ty Ty's done Everything that we kind of expected him to do in the preseason, he's starting to do. It's game by game that confidence is growing. The way he's playing with the pace and it, just the decision making, all of it, uh, he is becoming that guy that we all expected him to be. And that was the discussion we had after that first game. Right? Is if Ty-Ty Washington becomes Kentucky's guy, Kentucky's going to be a really, really good team. That was the one guy in the backcourt that I thought had to really emerge and score the ball, and he's really starting to do it.
1: I, I think. If you look at this roster up and down, I think it's pretty clear that three players have separated themselves as the the straw that stirs the drinks of uh, the straws that stir the drink of this team. I think that's Oscar Sheway in the middle, that's Savir Wheeler at point guard, and that's Tai Tai Washington from a scoring standpoint. I think you know exactly what you're going to get out of those three guys every single time. You know, there's obviously foul issues, and if Savir gets a little too turnover crazy, or maybe Tai Tai uh, goes you know, goes cold like like the Duke game. But nine times out of ten, you know exactly what you're going to get out of those three guys. And I think that consistent is really, really uh, impactful for this team, and that's something that's going to really pay off uh, long term. But I think beyond those three, I think you know every game you're going to get something out – at least out of one of Keon Brooks, Kellen Grady, Damian Collins, Jacob Toppin, Bryce Hopkins – in uh, Dante Allen, maybe even Lance where you could throw that in, but probably I guess you could even say two. It, two of those probably seven players, you know, uh, Kellen is going to go off for 15 or Damian Collins is going to have a random 13 14 point game. Uh, maybe it's the Jacob, you know, Jacob Toppin steps in and goes eight for eight. Uh, you know eight points eight rebounds or something Bryce Hopkins has his random comes in and and scores a couple I know uh, during his call-in show John Calipari said last night that Bryce might be the team's most effective uh, post player right now and that they're going to work to get him more touches in the paint and more scoring opportunities in the paint so that could be definitely something to keep an eye on too but you, it, you know what you're getting out of the main three in Tai, Ty Xavier, and Oscar, and you just need one or two of the rest of the group to step up, and you know that this team's capable of, of competing for a win. So I, that personally is what makes me the most optimistic is it's not like last season where – somebody had to step up every single game, and it wasn't a guarantee it was going to be B- B.J. Boston. wasn't a guarantee it was going to be Olivier Saar. wasn't a guarantee it was going to be Terrence Clark. You go down the list, it was, it was just a crapshoot. Whoever was going to step up uh, on any given night. This team has three constants and a couple – several other pieces that could uh, go off in on any given moment. And I think that's kind of a recipe for success in the long term.
0: It is. I agree with that 100%. And you're, and you're seeing this four out one in look really start to pay off for Kentucky offensively. I, I think that that's why Oscar's having a ton of rebounding success on the offensive end. Uh, you're, you're seeing other guys really start to get going. Uh, Kellen Grady's a guy that I want to see Kentucky really start to run things for as they get into this December schedule and into conference play. But the biggest challenge to me is just getting healthy, getting everybody back from injury, getting everybody over this bug that's going around. And, and this is the time of year where things slow down. You don't have a game for seven days. Once they get in December, they got one Tuesday, and then they go to Notre Dame, and then it's a week, and then it's a few days before the Louisville game. Not as much basketball. There's a lot of practice time in this part of the year. The SEC schedule starts early this year, late December, and then they got high point, and then into the, the rest of the league. There's a lot of practice time here over the next month. I think that getting guys healthy, getting everybody available, getting over this bug, I think that's going to be big for this team because you want on Metz, Jacob Toppin, full strength, all these guys going to Notre Dame. Ohio State, that game looks very, very tough. You and I were texting about it last night. There's tough games coming up for this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that Ohio State game looks infinitely more difficult than now than it did before. I just think – their low post presence and how physical they are and, and knowing that that's Kentucky's weakness, even with Oscar, take him out of the game because they Ohio state to do a great job of getting Duke's big men in foul trouble and kind of uh, trying to keep them out of the game. I, I thought it was really telling that that could be a really tough uh, matchup for Kentucky uh, that their their strengths kind of play to our weaknesses and and do our and- strengths play to their weaknesses it, 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 that's just a really awkward matchup in a difficult environment I remember that last trip that for the CBS Classic out in Vegas uh, two years ago that was that was my least one of my least favorite events that I've ever been a part of because it was late it was a random event that nobody like th- there weren't a lot of fans there it was just an awkward event awkward time awkward opponents and obviously awkward finish because uk lost both those games it just it felt like well, a waste of a trip so well, the good news is that. this
0: year it's a week before christmas yeah there's been sometimes that if it's on that saturday and christmas falls on tuesday it's like two or three days before christmas so this year at least it's a full week before And I mean, I think it's going to be a test for sure. Watching that game last night, uh, Ohio State, it's not the length in their front court, but it's the size, it's the weight, it's the strength. But Oscar Shibway, that's a game where whoever's front court is able to stay out of foul trouble. I think that's the team that's going to win that game. Uh, But I I still think that we're seeing a lot of good things from this Kentucky team right now. I'm going to make a prediction right now, and I've, I've been telling you this for a couple of games now. Bryce Hopkins is going to be a guy that come January, February, I think is going to have a major, role on this team. You watch him in games right now, Jack, and when he does something, Cal turns to the bench and he'll make sure that everyone is aware of what Bryce did. And it's one thing. It's his physicality. He made a move there in the first half against Central Michigan Monday night, and Cal turned to the bench and flexed, saying he's strong. He's playing strong. He told every single guy on the bench, you got to do that. Like, that that's a dude with his frame that I think that they're going to need in a game against Ohio State. And I just think that that's a guy that's going to continue to carve out a role and he just needs minutes, just needs to play.
1: I think that's the biggest thing is is just getting him on the floor and putting him in those positions. I'm very glad that Cal admitted on Tuesday night during his call-in show that he needs more touches. I think it's pretty clear that he's more comfortable. I, I think he's thriving in his role in that that kind of four-out, small ball four, even play. He he's been playing the wing at some times. uh, But, but I think he's really kind of thriving in that four role. Um, And he's okay as an initiator and as a, a, you know, driving to the rack and, and finishing through contact. One of his, the the prettiest play that he made is when he kind of cut through the defense and, and finished up, up and under in that, uh, that drive to the basket. I thought that was one of his best plays, but I think it's really clear that he's polished inside and, you know, that the same kind of mentality we had about P.J. Washington where you knew when, when you threw it down low to him in the, the basket that he was going to make something out of nothing uh, a, a lot of times. And I think that's kind of what Bryce is going to end up being. Maybe he hasn't shown that yet, but, I mean, the dude was putting up 40-plus points uh, very regularly in a very competitive Chicago game. Um, senior year of, of high school in Chicago I mean he was putting up a lot of of high scoring numbers in a very competitive uh, area of of the country so if he's doing that the way he did like yeah he doesn't have a sexy game he's not a dude that's gonna go dunk on your head or uh, you know hit eight threes in a game that's gonna really turn the I think that's why he was ranked where he was top 30 top 40 but I I don't know if there's a more skilled player on the team, uh, especially as young as, as, what, as young as Bryce is.
0: He's their most intriguing piece to me. Yeah. When, it, when we're talking potential and upside, I know we've talked a ton about Damian Collins when it all comes together, but I'm, I'm just telling you now that I think it's Bryce Hopkins. I think he has one of the highest ceilings because he does so many things that can affect the game. And I, I told you back in the, the early fall, that I think that he's their best overall athlete. When it comes, and I know Jacob Toppin's their best leaper. Yeah, but when it comes to body control and being able to lead the break and speed and size, quickness, body, all of it, I don't think you have a more total package than what Bryce is. Bryce is probably pound for pound one of their strongest guys on the team outside of Oscar.
1: Yeah, it. I kind of made me laugh. Honestly, uh, Central Michigan scored on Monday night and. Bryce was there at at, you to to take the inbound pass and he just took it up the floor and he ran point guard for a play. And I was like, Oh, Bryce is just going to, go with it and like he's he's been getting more comfortable bringing the ball at the floor off a rebound kind of that catch and go thing that we've been talking about uh, for a while that that's what Cal really likes that kind of versatility and that positionless basketball but I thought it was really telling that he just took the inbounds pass and he he ran point guard for a possession or two and I was like well that clearly shows how comfortable Cal is in, in him and what he's he's capable of doing uh I, I just think I agree I, I think how polished and how skilled he is at, at his age it's going to pay off. And I know, like, Keon – I love Keon, and I think that he has a fantastic role on his team. And there's a lot been a lot of talk, is, is he hunting shots? Is he more focused on getting points on the board and kind of building his draft stock than, you know, contributing to winning? That's kind of a, a fan narrative that's been pushed. And I, I understand some of those things, and I – Cal may say that he wants him to take a million mid mid range jumpers and in in games and I I couldn't disagree with him more I think that he's way 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 more effective attacking the basket and dunking on people and going to the free throw line and doing those sorts of things but uh, I just think when push comes to shove Bryce is more effective in his role than Keon is right now and I, I I know it's it's kind of hard to say because Keon is a junior, and he's kind of that established vet, and he's been been here the longest out of everybody but man i just I think when push comes to shove I, I think Bryce in his minutes is being is playing more effective basketball than than what Keon is right now, and that's not to say Keon can't be more effective by the end of the year, but I, I just i that's just my personal gut i I think that bryce is is a very, very effective player, and it's only going to improve throughout the season.
0: Well, I think Bryce is a future star at u k I really do. I think he's going to be a pillar piece to the program. I don't know how long he'll be around, but I mean, it could be he could be out the door sooner, right? If he continues to get better. But the thing with Bryce to me is his minutes. He's going to play the most minutes on nights where Kentucky needs physical a physical presence outside of Oscar, like a night where Oscar gets in foul trouble, or if they've got a four man that's kind of physical, like in Ohio State. Those are the games where I think Bryce is going to really kind of help this team and they're going to benefit from having him on the roster.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, let's uh, let's transition a little bit. Cause there are some questions that, that we asked on um, on Twitter that kind of address some of the, the, questions on the team and then we can kind of transition those into some of the other questions that fans had so let's kind of uh, move into this segment and I'll ask you this uh but but Aldrin actually very clever name uh asks and I'll let you answer this Allen Dante Allen's recent shooting the yips or just a slump what are your thoughts on that
0: I think it's a slump honestly and, and if you want me to tell you the truth I think it's because he's doing other things as well I think uh, for a bit there, like last year, I think Dante came in with one goal, right? And that was to shoot the basketball. And he saw that that one thing, to me, wasn't enough to get him on the floor regularly. So I think he's putting more attention into the defensive end of the floor. You're seeing him go up and grab rebounds now that I've never seen him go get. Or you're seeing him communicate. I actually watched him the other night. I paid attention. He was talking a lot Mm -hmm. on defense, which is a major improvement. So I think that you're kind of seeing him – maybe use that energy elsewhere on the, on the floor. And it's not, and that shot's going to be the easiest part of his game. Mm -hmm. Like that shot's going to get hot at some point and he's going to bury three or four in a row. I think it's kind of just a slump right now, but also think it's because he's putting energy and effort into other areas of the game. And pretty soon that those shots are going to start falling.
1: Yeah. I think that is something there's a reason that Cal, I, I do think it's interesting that Cal is going out of his way to get shots for Dante. I think he's, shoot, I honestly think he's running more stuff for Dante than he is Kellen right now. I think that he's he is actively going out of his way to get Dante Allen shots. And I think that's a good thing because they're going to need him to come in and hit three threes. They're going to get behind by nine points in an SEC road game. And they're going to need Dante to come in and hit three threes to, to will them back to back into it. It's just going to happen like that. That scenario will happen this season, mark my words and they're going to need Dante to come in and make those shots. So I think right now as the competition is low and as you're able to kind of set things up easier, uh, against kind of weaker competition they're wanting to get that moment that that scoring momentum going with him I think that's kind of what it is and I think that's why he's having such inefficient nights is because yeah he's he's being a chucker right now in a in the best way because that this is a long play they're wanting to get him going and get that uh you know that muscle the muscle memory is down but it's more so just kind of that that uh continuity and the comfort of of hitting these shots regularly. I think that's kind of what they're hoping for with with Dante right now. And, uh, yeah, I definitely don't think it's the yips or something permanent. I think it's it's, – I think you bring up a good point. He's working his butt off on defense and he's talking and he's, uh, you know, blocking shots and he's jumping the passing lanes for steals and he's attacking the basket and dunking on people instead of just taking jump shots. I think he's just doing a lot more to his game that uh, makes, you know, makes shooting not necessarily the most – the biggest priority for him.
0: Well, I think at one point he was a guy that when he would go into games, he thought, all right, if I miss a shot or two, I'm coming out because what am I adding to this? Yeah. And I think Cal also was that same guy that was like, what are you bringing to us? If you're not hitting shots, you can't play. So now I think you're you're seeing a guy that is no longer worried about having to put the ball in the basket. I can still be on the floor if I miss the next three shots Mm -hmm. because I'm going to defend or I'm going to grab a rebound or I'm going to get my hand on a ball that's going to lead to a turnover. Because, Dante, we're talk, we've talked about that wingspan that he has. I mean, he can be disruptive if he can be in position and be in spots. Uh, but you're seeing it. I thought it was very encouraging that Cal comes out post game and says uh, he's a game changer. If he gets some confidence because he made a play defensively, because then it's going to be bang, 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 shots are going to start falling in. But the, the key was the last quote, and I wrote about it yesterday, there's a spot for him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so encouraging for Dante to be able to hear that that he knows, hey, there is a role for me. It's no longer, well, we, he has to defend or he has to talk. There's a spot for him. To me, that's big for, for him to hear those words from his head coach.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. All right, um, let's keep going down. But Aldrin, asked three, he has four questions total, so we'll run through quickly on each of them. Uh, you, you, he, we just talked about Bryce Hopkins. He d- kind of doubled down on that. Bryce Hopkins has looked great most of his time on the floor. What does his ceiling look like, Sean?
0: his ceiling, I think it's high. I really do. I don't know what it looks like, but I'll tell you that it looks very good because the games that he's went in, he rebounds. He leads the break. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about my middle school team right now, but I've got a kid that he plays the four for me, and I finally got it in his head that when when he grabs a defensive rebound, there is no point guard coming for an outlet pass. That is my point guard when he catches the ball and gets a rebound. Everybody else is running. Bryce does that exact same thing for this Kentucky team. You mentioned it. He brought the ball off the floor the other night. He gets a board. Your five-man can now rim run. Your one guard can lead and run the break. Your two and three can go. Your four is your point guard. And that's what Bryce adds to this team. It's that ability to grab a board and go. He's a physical presence. He has very good feet, too. And he's continuing to show that he'll take the three ball. And I think that that's an area of his game if he continues to improve that shot. It just makes him more effective. Is that a guy that they play through on the block at some point? Do they try to post Bryce and maybe let him face up and do some things as well? Uh, I just think he has a limitless potential. Honestly,
1: yeah, I think the last thing you said is the next step to unlocking that potential is get getting the ball in his is in his hands in positions that he's the most comfortable. That is – he can play on the perimeter, and he did a lot of that in high school, but he is his most polished and his most skilled and his most productive when he is in that face-up, five, six, ten feet out, where he can kind of work the post and work the paint and kind of have that inside-out game. That's that's really where he's comfortable in. And I think if you want a name for what a ceiling is, it's, it's P.J. Washington. That's the name that guys said when he when he got to Kentucky. Cal, the first name that he brought up was P.J. Washington. You talked to his coach back at uh, uh, Fenwick, same thing said PJ Washington's kind of the guy that we're kind of modeling our game after. And I, I believe it's been a minute since he was, he was recruited and COVID just kind of threw everything for a loop. I, I believe that PJ Washington's dad spoke with Bryce's dad at some point about kind of playing the same uh, style and kind of the same timeline and trajectory. I, th- I think I may be totally wrong on that, but I, I know he had a conversation of, of, you know, similar value. But I think that's kind of the goal for this team is to have him be that PJ Washington kind of inside out. He's going to be able to knock down threes. Probably he's going to be a two-year player, I think. And by next season, I think he is true. All SEC potential. I think that's kind of what his ceiling looks like. All right, keep going down the list. Is there a point guard in the country playing better than Syver Wheeler? Asks but Aldrin.
0: Man, he's he's playing well. He still does those things. That are Georgia habits. Yeah. You still see those, like they're at the end of the half the other night. Man, Kentucky's wanting to take one shot. You want to take one shot in that situation, and he comes down the floor. Uh, he he threw. He, I thought I know one time he threw the ball up to Oscar, and Oscar had no chance of making a play. Uh, but you want to see your point guard have a, a presence of mind and a game awareness. To you want to take that final shot because if I if I recall correctly, I think Central Michigan come down and got two looks at it, but they didn't score. Yeah. But overall, just what he does, how he affects the game, even if it's in a game where he has like six assists or so like the other night, it's his defensive presence. It's his ability to be disruptive 90 feet from the basketball or 90 feet from the rim. Like he can disrupt you at any part of the floor defensively. And that's going to pay off when you get into league play. You get an NCAA tournament. And you get against some of these good guards or some of these teams that run really effective half-court offenses, you're not even pressing. I know Kentucky's doing a little bit of a 2-2-1, two-two, a and they match up man and stuff out of it. And they do some traps where the top two guys blitz the basketball and rush at it and things and try to create a turnover and speed teams up. But to me, you can slow teams down just by having him get on the ball you're 19, 20 seconds left on the shot clock when you're trying to get into your offense after your point guards tried to get the dang ball before.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, the way he has has fit into this offense so seamlessly and the the way we talked about him, and I, I could not have been more wrong about, about him as a player and what he brings to the table. And I know you were you were on the hype train before I was and and pat on the back to you, but I just thought, it was an absolute nightmare scenario to bring a guy that turns the ball over as much as he does and shoots the ball as ineffectively as he does. And the thing is like when he shoots threes, even still, I think, yeah, that's not going in. No chance that goes in. And I mean, yeah, when he breaks, he clanks the absolute hell out of some of those shots. And I'm, I, (laughs) is he that much better of a shooter this year than he was last year? I don't know. I I truly don't know. Do I trust him to take shots in late game situations? I probably not, but, he's still effective in his role as anybody in college basketball. And I think that's the question. Is there a point guard in the country playing better than cyber Wheeler? Maybe, but I don't know if there's one playing his role better than cyber Wheeler's. I think that's probably the more specific thing. I think in his role, Savier is, is absolutely leading this team to perfection. And I mean, not perfection. It's not flawless basketball, but to – to a, a very elite degree, and he is contributing to winning. And I think that's, that's everything Kentucky could have possibly asked for whenever they got him out of the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I loved his game when I turned on the tape, and I loved it because of the pieces that they have around him. And then so far, like I said, those Georgia habits are still there, but they're not as, like, they're not as obvious as they were a year ago. And I think by the time you get to mid-January, February, they're going to be gone. But I'll also say this. I'm okay with some of those habits. You know why? Because it's one of those things where you don't want him to get to the point to where he's not being aggressive. Mm-hmm. You want to keep – because he's at his best when he's downhill and running. Like, I love when he gets to the rim and transition. He doesn't allow his size to affect him. I know Duke, he took a couple and got, got pinned off the glass. But for the most part, when he gets downhill, good things happen. And you better be ready if you're Oscar or if you're one of these bigs, if you're Keon, because he'll be two feet from you and you think he's going to go up and shoot a floater that Cal's been
1: wanting to and he'll pop you right in the face with a basketball.
0: Like, you've <laughs> got to be ready when you're playing with
1: him. Yeah. It, it, somebody asked a question last night to Cal – Um, but basically mentioned you only had five or six turnovers or whatever it was two, two nights ago. Um, You only had five or six turnovers tonight. Three were severe is, do you want that to be a higher number? What, what is your target number? And Cal said, yeah, I want it to be 10 to 12 uh, because that shows that you're being, you're playing aggressive. That's kind of what we're looking for. And he said, now I don't like that three of the six were for my point guard. I want that to be more evenly, you know, distributed even evenly, but, I do think it's telling that that's what he's looking for. He wants an aggressive number of turnovers, just not to the point of sloppiness. There's a difference between aggressiveness and sloppiness. And I think that's a, uh, that's definitely – I think the right now, the way Kentucky's playing, it's a recipe for success. May I think they probably could have been a little bit more aggressive against Central Michigan. But um, it's really hard to get any major, like, season-long takeaways against teams like that where you know that it's going to be a 30-point bloodletting from the start you almost have to take away kind of uh overarching like the development from game by game the progression from one game to the next as opposed to the actual in-game production like the the growth from Dante Allen and the uh, you know the the continued success for Cyber Wheeler and the continued success for Oscar and Ty Ty and those things I think that's that's m- more of a takeaway than anything you could get from you know Kentucky shooting 43.1% from the field against Central Michigan and 27% from the three. And I, I don't think there's really many major takeaways from the game itself, but more so kind of how we're uh, trending in that direction. All right, last question from Butt Aldrin. How many SEC teams make the tournament?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, how many? There's what? Is there six right now in the AP poll? I believe so. Mistaken. I believe Kentucky, so, yes. Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn. I think those, I think all six of those make it. Is there a seventh? Ooh, I'm going to say six.
1: Yeah, I, that's probably what I, I think. The l- most recent uh, Lunardi, Joe Lunardi uh, bracketology, I think, had seven. I believe I could
0: I could say I could see seven. I, I think LSU could push.
1: Yeah. What do you think? I, um, I'm pulling up the. well. LSU's I,
0: undefeated, by the way.
1: I was going to try to. ESPN bracketology. This is this is really great podcasting right now. We're looking up things on. <laughs> uh, I'll <no>. say <laughs> I'll say
0: seven because I'll say one of LSU. I'm going to say one of LSU or Mississippi State or someone makes it. One of those teams that are going to kind of be middle of the pack. Um I don't know though, LSU. I mean, I don't know really know I don't really know what to make. I know once we get once we get into league play, that first second week of January, I think you're going to be able to kind of get a clearer picture on who teams are. I've not honestly I'm usually able to sit down and watch a lot of basketball, but I haven't been able to. And once we get into this time of the month here, where things kind of slow down and there's only one UK game a week, I can kind of tune in and watch some of these other games. And I'm, I'm excited to watch. I, I have watched Auburn play. Uh, I've watched Florida play. I think Florida's very, very good this year. I, I think the league is going to be super competitive. And that's why I think that the schedule for November was okay because you're going to have point. I actually said that on Twitter last night too because somebody asked, it, you know, I'm kind of iffy about this Kentucky ready to play Ohio State. Well, they already played number one. Yeah, Ohio State beat Duke. But to me, you're going to have plenty of opportunities between now and late February to get quality wins. You're going to play Alabama twice. You're going to play Tennessee twice. you got Florida twice. There's, like, plenty of opportunities. There's 10-plus opportunities to get very quality wins for your resume. Uh,
1: I just found Lunardi's uh, latest update. He has eight teams from the SEC in it. Uh, He has Kentucky as a three-seed, Arkansas as a three-seed, Tennessee as a four-seed. Uh, Alabama is a five seed, Florida five seed, Auburn seven seed, LSU eight seed, and Mississippi State rounding it out at as an eleven seed. So
0: I'll say I'll say seven. I don't think eight will make it. I think uh, the teams will beat up on one another in the SEC. Uh, obviously, you'll look at non-conference resumes. I, I'll go seven, I think, but now possibly eight. Uh, but I'll set it
1: at seven. This question is one that I personally had. For myself, uh, every time I've watched Gonzaga play, uh, it, it's definitely something that I, I'm very interested to hear your take. Kyle Keith asks, seeing the production of Hunter Silas and Nolan Hickman at Gonzaga, is it such a bad thing we missed on them now and got tie tie instead?
0: They, they got the better fit for what they need. <laughs> oh, you and I talked gosh. about that Friday night. I texted you and I said, can you imagine – and this is not a knock on Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. No, not at all. Can you imagine if those two were having to lead this team right now? They just Savir Wheeler and Ty Ty are better for what this team – Savir Wheeler is where it starts, though. Like, I'm I'm going to say if Ty Ty didn't have Savir, Ty Ty wouldn't be looking as good as what he does right now. Yeah. Like, that – Savir Wheeler is the straw that stirs the drink, to me, for this entire team. Yeah, like that was the piece, but I mean, you're you're seeing those two right now, and that's a good Gonzaga team. I mean, they have really good guards, they have really good front court. I know the roles, but it's it's wild to think that those were the two targets, though. And I just don't think it would be very much very different for them right now at UK. Like I think that it they would I
1: think that they would have struggled mightily, honestly. Um, and I know that the biggest issue was Jaden Hardy because Jaden was the guy. He was going to be in Hunter Salas's role before, uh, before he you know kind of emerged as the G League type guy, and and Hunter was kind of the backup option to Jaden at the time. So I, I understand that it's not saying that that's who this the previous staff prioritized was was Hunter and and Nolan from the start, but at one point. That was who the staff evaluated as the guys to lead this team this season. I think that's an issue. I absolutely, undoubtedly think it's an issue. I watched Hunter with my own two eyes, and I thought he was fine. I thought it was very fine, but I think it was very clear that he was not the – top guard on the floor that not not even somebody that was capable of leading Kentucky as the starting point guard or as the starting off ball guard however role they wanted him alongside Nolan Hickman I, I thought I think Hickman's good enough and I, I do think that it with a bigger role than what he I, and it's it's tough because because Gonzaga has such a deep roster and and Nolan is probably I mean you're not going to start Nolan over Nemhard at at Gonzaga like you know it's it's the guys that are starting need to be starting at Gonzaga right now it's not an issue of role and minutes and those sorts of things but I do think Nolan would have been fine in this role but I think Xavier's easily the better of the two options and I absolutely 100% think that Ty Ty is a better option than Hunter Salas and I, I again that's nothing against Hunter you know I've talked to him several times his great family you know those sorts of things but goodness gracious I just could not imagine Kentucky rolling into this season knowing with what we have knowing what we have right now and how good Xavier and Tai Ty, Ty are together the idea of replacing those two with Nolan and and Hunter Salas it just it, that would have just been a nightmare scenario and I'm just very grateful how things unfolded I like my team as as currently constructed Sean
0: yeah it's they've it's, it's a solid group for sure and I, I think Kentucky got the the best possible end of the deal that they could get, uh, those two wish them well at Gonzaga. I think that they will be good players out there, but for coming off a nine and 16 season, Kentucky needed something different. And I think that they got what they needed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Are there any other, um, team-specific questions before we kind of transition into recruiting. All right, we'll 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 end it with uh, the, the current team stuff with this. Dylan Dean asks, thoughts on OSU after their team win against Duke? We already kind of talked about that. But what are some of the things they'll need to do as a te- team if they want to leave the CBS Classic with a win? My thought is to have Grady shoot more, which means he'll have to make more moves off the ball to get open. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Kentucky's four, four spots going to have to be very good that day. Like a collection of Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, Bryce Hopkins, whoever plays that four spot, they're going to need a strong effort from them. That, that's what I was getting at a minute ago. It's not length for Ohio State; it's the it's the weight, it's the size. Uh, I mean, you're talking dudes that are strong. Those duck ends that they got late in that game against Duke, Duke had no chance because the post presence it was so deep. They were getting the ball like three feet from the rim, and it wasn't. You don't even have to make a post move when you're three feet from the rim, it's just a turn and a little jump hook. And that was something that Ohio state really went to late there in the second half. Uh, that, now that game was at Ohio state. I mean, Duke was obviously in a true road environment, but, uh, I I think Kentucky needs one, they need to shoot the ball. Well, and they need to get a lot
1: from their fourth spot. Yeah, I completely agree. And then Oscar
0: Cibuay cannot get in foul trouble that game.
1: (laughs) That, that is the underlying exclamation mark. Uh, put it in bold that that cannot by
0: the way he is so much better at defending ball screens than I thought he was yeah like so much better I mean is he is he a little late with closeouts and some things every now and then but just as far as being in position and talking and moving his feet and reattaching things like that I've been very pleased with him in ball screens
1: yeah I, I there's really not a lot of whole uh, not a whole lot that I haven't been impressed with with Oscar I mean shoot he is he is a machine yeah he is a machine <laughs> well that I told you that or not yeah. Cal says all, Cal's comment and
0: I'm gonna ask him he says these these kids aren't machines they're not robots yes they are Cal you, <laughs> you finally have an actual machine
1: <laughs> yeah trez terrell says is oscar Shibway actually oscar or is he just a machine yes he is actually a machine alex P asks, when can i get an oscar machine nft hopefully soon because we need to get some oscar some money hopefully it goes in his his bank account because that dude deserves some some uh money beyond just cameo appearances because that dude is is uh okay. about as valuable as anybody
0: I got the question for you here that we can answer next. Let me see okay. I can find it. Uh, when you and Sean go on walks together, do you hold hands or link arms? Matt, we do both. We with do the same arm. We do. we do. Yeah, we we, we, we kinda, link and hold the same hand.
1: We wrap it's them around like a, with each other, and yeah,
0: it's like an over the top thing. You just had to be in, in Manhattan to see it.
1: Yeah. While we're going through funny questions, <laughs> Ryan Lemon's hair plugs. If you were a hot dog, what you eat, eat yourself?
0: Do you know how many times I've been asked that question? <laughs> I would never eat myself. Period. <laughs> like, you know how many times? Like, and it's oh goodness. Like, keep asking though, because every time I suit, I'm like, uh, yeah, it's the same question, but it puts it, it makes me laugh every single time. Would you eat yourself, Jack? Uh,
1: maybe just a little nibble. Probably just. I've like, had uh, some
0: good hot dogs, but I've also had some bad hot dogs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd probably just get a little tiny nibble just to, you know, just to kind of hold me over till dinner. All right, Andrew Board, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized Oscar Shebways or (laughs) one Oscar Shebway-sized duck? (laughs) (laughs) That's all you That's That's the best question of the podcast.
0: Oh, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized Oscar Sheboys or one Oscar Sheboys-sized duck? Oh, God. I don't...
1: It's got to be the 100 duck-sized Oscar Sheboys because, okay, okay. If, oh we're, if we're getting... No, listen. If we're getting literal, an Oscar Sheboy-sized duck, it's you're fighting the duck, just a very large duck.
0: But, it's still it's still the size of Oscar Sheboy though. Have you seen that guy?
1: Yes, but a hundred mini Oscar Sheboys is gonna take you, down one duck.
0: Well, I'll say a hundred. Well, a hundred mini Oscars is well, gonna here, take down a big duck.
1: There's well, no here's way. Here's my
0: thing. Here's my thing. A hundred mini Oscars can turn into one big Oscar if you stack them on top of one another. So exactly. yeah, I
1: would. I would much rather fight the duck. He the is Oscars. a machine, so he can kind of put together like a transformer with just a bunch of a bunch of mini Oscars and and take down the big Oscar-sized duck. There's no way that's that's Andrew. Easy question. It, it's definitely the hundred-sized mini duck-sized Oscar Sheboys. That's that's just poppycock to think anything else. Um, it
0: is. <laughs> I'm just now picturing a fountain and Oscar Sheboy with a bunch of ducks, and it's just. <laughs> That's not that's not the image I thought I'd have today, oh gosh all right let's ask let's ask him that question next game
1: we will we most certainly will all right it's the big question that everybody wants to know go big blue with a bunch of numbers says details on the Dillingham situation sounds like he stood UK up uh, we also have Ezra says how did UK lose out on Robert Dillingham to NC State all right Sean I will take this one over because uh, I Being totally honest, being very transparent with our listeners, I hadn't checked in on the Robert Dillingham situation in probably two weeks. No kidding, probably two weeks. Because when he took his official visit to Kentucky – so this is a kid, mind you, that has changed his mind – Back and forth constantly. There was one point. Uh, it started out because he's, he's from North Carolina. He started out as a heavy, heavy North Carolina lean. And then he took an official visit to Memphis. He fell in love with Memphis. Everybody said, oh, he's a lock to Memphis. Si- rumors of a silent commitment to Memphis were spreading. Everybody, like when you, I remember when UK got involved with it, everybody said, why are you even getting involved with Robert Dillingham? He's going to Memphis. Kentucky gets involved. They get him on campus. And I'm going to let the secret out. He told the staff that he was coming to Kentucky. He committed silently. That's why every major media member in their mother said, you know, did the whole dilly, dilly, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to get this kid soon. Like this was a a secret that got let out and nobody was shutting down the rumors. Nobody was going out and going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, like Robert during interviews wasn't jumping out there and going, Hey, I haven't made any decision yet. I'm still wide open. No, this is a kid that he told Kentucky he was going to Kentucky. He committed to Kentucky silently and this was all over but the shouting. We were just waiting for the final thing. The only reason why it took as long as it did was because there was talk about him reclassifying the class of 2022. And and had he done that, he would have had to take two years at Kentucky because of his age. He just missed the deadline as a reclass. So he would have had to take the Amani Bates route where he, he would be able to reclassify, but he wouldn't be eligible for the next next draft he'd have to wait till the the following so this would be a kid so that he was thinking okay do I get the jump now he's like 160 pounds so it would be to you know get him in the weight room and get him used to you know the strength and conditioning program those sorts of things kind of have a red shirt year uh, adjust to the game and then kind of take over the the following season that's that's how far along we were with this conversation it wasn't even the where or uh, you know any of those type of questions it was how he was going to get there when he was going to get there it was done deal locked to kentucky so i stopped even contacting people about this because i just uh, assumed it was a done deal to kentucky didn't think twice about it whatever uh he announces that he's gonna commit on wednesday which is today at two we are now like an hour and a half away from his commitment which is barring another major freaking shakeup is going to be nc state um last night or I guess it was Monday night when he announced that he was going to make his decision Travis Branham credit all credit to him because he's the best in the game and there's a reason he's the best in the game he puts in the crystal ball pick for North Carolina State and he writes this little blurb that says uh you know the he was going to Kentucky and everybody knew he was going to Kentucky but I have a hunch that he's changing his mind and going to NC state. And everybody's like, what, where did all this stuff come from? So I did some digging after that. And I found that to be 100% correct. There is a, he's going to NC state. And the reason he's going to NC state is up for debate. Uh, Because if you talk to people close to UK, they will either tell you they cut ties themselves uh, for a very, various reasons. He transferred to that Donda Academy where the it's, you know it's kind of a mess over there and there's a lot of people involved and new added noise let's just say Sean because it's it's a brand new program and and a lot of people have loud voices in it but so on and so forth it was a kind of one of those circus deals that that Cal just truly never deals with and I think that uh, was a conversation that they didn't necessarily want um, you know to, to keep kind of dragging that on that they didn't they don't like being part of of circus talk there was also talk that uh that nc state emerged as a very serious option within the last two weeks two weeks was the the exact timeline that i had heard because he was growing uncomfortable with the idea of playing with dj wagner at kentucky which a that makes me feel pretty damn good that DJ's coming to kentucky as we all kind of expected because if rob is think you know kind of getting second thoughts about playing alongside him it it obviously means that we're far enough with uh dj wagner that that's even a point of conversation so sean that at least makes me feel pretty good about that side of things um but that he didn't know about his fit alongside dj plus adding reed shepherd into the mix there's uh, mouths to feed so on and so forth that was a uh a talking point as well that he didn't that his camp was not necessarily open to the idea of sharing the spotlight with uh, the nation's consensus number one guard. Um, let me keep going down. There were potential eligibility concerns that kind of popped up late uh, about, you know, are these kids that are going to Donda, are they even going to be able to be eligible because that school was put together so fast? Uh, is the academic side of things even up to like, is it accredited the way, or, you know, are they legit for college in the eyes of, of colleges? That part still remains. There are a lot of people out there that don't think that he will be eligible at the end of the day, end of the day anyway. And the biggest one, the one that really kind of threw me off at the end of, uh, at the end of all this is even with him going to NC state and with all this, the tide trending, he's from North Carolina. Uh, this is kind of about him going back home, so on and so forth. Even still, I was told that there's a chance that he doesn't ever make it on campus anyway because there's a chance that, uh, A, he's ineligible, B, uh, professional option could, could you know, step up. This this was always going to last beyond signing day. This was going to be a, an issue that we would be dealing with waiting until the last second to hear if he would end up making it on campus at all. So was UK let on because they were told that he was going to Kentucky and, and maybe he wasn't, you know, all the way set on it the way he told them maybe was did UK cut ties maybe did they uh, feel let on and then decide to cut ties as a result of it because they were like all right well this kid's obviously being wishy-washy with us we don't want him uh, to deal with that and with the circus side of things and the idea that he may not even end up on a college campus anyway there was long story short very long drawn out story short Sean there was a lot of freaking stuff going on in this recruitment that made it a hectic mess. And I think as, as much of a fan as I am of Robert Dillingham, the player, I think that there's just uh, – this was something that I don't think would have worked out for Kentucky at the end of the day anyway. And I think there will be other options that uh, are just, of effect, just as effective that won't uh, create as much of the headaches that this situation could have.
0: It sounds like you got it covered.
1: You filled me in there too. <laughs> yeah. it's a, sorry. It was a, it was I'm still a, over
0: wondering how many ducks I need to fight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll handle the nitty gritty of some of these recruitments. You just keep on counting those ducks, Sean.
0: I got my ducks in a row and I'll keep breaking down everything I see between this Kentucky basketball roster. you, you fill me in all the, the soap opera.
1: Yeah. And I get it. Like, I know it's frustrating when, when there's a lock and everybody's, you know, throws around the word lock and, and, you know, there, there was a lot of, of uh, padding on the back on social media. Let me just say of people uh, that, that knew of this not so secret secret that he was going to end up in Kentucky. And, and, uh, you know, I, even on this podcast said it's more of an, uh, a waiting game. It's not if, but when type deal. And it's everybody got, got on it. I mean, it, w- maybe we were led on by, uh, because overly confident for a kid that has changed his mind so often, probably we shouldn't have been as naive as we were with it. I think this was a case that everybody got, got by the same camp and it happens. It's a, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was 100% under the impression. The staff was under the impression. Every big time I mean everybody that I've talked to in like the national media had the Robert Dillingham commits to Kentucky post pre-written for like a month now ever since his visit to Kentucky has been pre-written so I, everybody was let on if you want to call it that uh, this kid changes mind again whatever it's it's a crappy situation and unfortunate I would have liked it to work out and as a player I think he would have fit in just fine at Kentucky but uh, it's clearly not turning that direction, and it's time for Kentucky to turn its attention elsewhere. And that uh, kind of leads us to some of these other questions. Um, let's see your thoughts on who we will land in 2023. OG Money, uh, Judd Sowers. Why is Cowell recruiting three top ten small forwards? Um, let's see thoughts on Bayfall and chances he comes to Kentucky from Paul the Prophet. Um, just kind of going down the list of all the big major recruiting things uh oh the, well, you can answer this one real quick sean the transaction do you think reed will crack the top 10 in the recruiting rankings what do you think on that
0: i don't Nope. i don't, I don't think you'll crack the top 10
1: it do, do you think it's because there's other talent up top that you like better or uh, that this kind of is just who he is right now is the the kind of highest ceiling that he'll have it with with these rankings he
0: plays at north Laurel high school yeah i just i just don't think that it's going to be not right now i mean maybe now i don't know I, i keep thinking i have to keep remembering he's only a junior uh a really good summer next year on that circuit probably but with him being already committed and everything i don't really know i don't know i i'll say he'll fall somewhere around 15 to 22 somewhere in that range yeah, I think and I, it's
1: and I think that's, that's comfortable. You don't need a dude. I mean, you know what he is as a player, you know how high we are on him as a player. Like there's no real anything added to the table outside of recruiting rankings that, that, is going to change your mind on who Reed is as a player, right, Sean? Like, I mean, you've evaluated and you know who he is as a player. You know how big of a uh, of an impact guy he is. Whether there's a nine next to his name or a fifteen, I, I don't think that's going to change your perception on on his long term career at Kentucky as a result of that.
0: No, it's not. And very, very good player. Uh, I just think that it's it's harder to evaluate. I mean I'm not that's not a knock on I mean I played in the 13th region I just don't think that it's going to be showcased as much uh you're not going to see him on TV and stuff in some of these national games the way that you see others I mean all those things kind of play into it but he's certainly I mean they they think he's he's a five star and that's that's the caliber of player that he is
1: yeah uh, Darren Allison chances of Bayfall or Miranda reclassifying and coming to Kentucky Tanner Hall anyone in 2023 on commitment watch not named Rob lol um, I think that answers all the Ethan G think Rob's situation will have any effect on JJ Taylor yes probably um, I'm going through and I'll just kind of give a, a big total recruiting rundown uh, after i make sure i get through everyone all right that's it um all right we'll go through the list uk has extended offers to th- going from the g- top of the guard position down to the you know big man dj wagner at the top elijah fisher at shooting guard uh slash wing they've offered a lot of fours as that one uh, question asked mckenzie Mc- mcbaco Mookie Cook, JJ Taylor, Justin Edwards. They've offered one power forward, Kwame Evans. And then they did offer Jalen Lewis at center, but he ended up signing with overtime elite. So he is now off the table. Bayfall is an option for Kentucky. They like him a lot. Um, I am not sold on him as a reclass guy. I think he's really, really raw. And I, honestly, I don't like any of the uh, 23 options as reclass guys to replace an Oscar, uh, uh, you know, wh- whoever they need for at the center position. You know, when they lost out on Adem Dona, there was a lot of talk, you know, do they get a reclass guy? I'm not sold on any of those options. But I will say uh, to that one person's question uh, that Isaiah Miranda is a name that I believe will be eligible to reclassify, and it's one that I think Kentucky's interested in. Uh, very loosely. I think they're just kind of gauging his, his growth this season. And they're really keeping a close eye on him. He's taken a a visit in December. I talked to his guy. Uh, He will be taking a visit. And I do think that there's a lot of mutual interest there. He's not an immediate impact reclass guy. Even if he does, he would be kind of a two year project guy that you just bring in early to develop and get used to the system. So uh, I do not think that there's any 2023 guys that you can expect to reclass and be that, Derek Lively or that a Dembona or whatever the case is. I, I think that the, the 2023 bigs are all project bigs right now. I'm not really high on any of them. So uh, yeah, I would definitely uh, not get my hopes up for any of those guys. You know, maybe uh, Miranda reclassifies, but I don't, I don't see that as a, as an immediate solution. Um, why did UK recruit, recruit four? Uh, they have offers out to three top 10 small forwards. And I guess if you look at Justin Edwards kind of four. Uh, and Elijah Fisher I guess five top 20 wings is is who they've offered I think it's because they need to get two of them or at least one of them I think they're in a great position with Justin Edwards and I think they're in a great position with Mookie Cook I think McBaco I think there's a chance but I think he's just kind of so early in the process he does like Duke a lot um, so I, I'm kind of thinking he's a Duke lean right now but I think it's still too early and J.J. Taylor I think UK would have been the likely landing spot for him if he had stayed put where he was and and that Chicago connection with Chen Coleman stayed, but I do think that there's a little bit of worry there. Again, there's, there's some talk in basketball circles that none of these Donda Academy kids will be eligible at the end of the day anyway. So is, you know, I I don't know if that's going to be a situation that Cal is willing to risk having a guy come in and getting him signed and then having him not be able to enroll because he's not eligible. I don't think that's something Cal would want to entertain unless that he gets some type of clarity and guidance and, and, confirmation that he would be eligible uh, i think uk would still be in a fine position for him but I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Donda kids end up going pro i still think even if robert dillingham commits to nc state he might end up going pro jj taylor there's a lot of pro buzz right now so um that's definitely something to keep a close eye on if i were willing to bet at the wing positions i think mookie cook and justin edwards are the main guys that you got to get uh, i think UK's in a great position with dj wagner and i think that's part of the reason why dillingham left as i said before um Kwame Evans, not really super familiar with him. I think he's really early in the process. I don't think that um, he's in any position to commit anytime soon or if, if Kentucky's in a great spot for him, Uh, that's, that's definitely kind of going to be kind of a wait and see game. So yeah, I I think that's, there's not a guy right now that I would pick as a uh, guy that's, on the cusp of committing or whatever I think Dillingham was the guy that was going to commit early Um, now that he's kind of off the table I don't think that uh, you know unless DJ Wagner surprises everybody I think this might be a wait and see game for at least the next summer um, and and see how these guys perform at you know uh, MBPA top 100 camp how they perform at Pangos and and obviously Peach Jam and some of these other EYBL events that's going to be a really telltale sign of who UK is going to really go after and who they want uh pretty hard so I think that's kind of that I hope that hit all of the recruiting questions that you guys ask I'm going through again and I, I don't see any new ones that I possibly could have missed all right um let's end it with this Sean Travis Graff, you know him quite well. If you could sit down with any in an in, in, in interview, any UK basketball icon of all time, who would it be and what questions would you ask? It's a great question.
0: Oh, goodness. Any icon of, oh, man, there's so many. Uh, you have one while I'm
1: thinking. Oh, uh, hmm.
0: man, that's, that's a hard one.
1: A UK basketball icon. Well, We're guess, talking
0: for right? No coach.
1: Well, it could be anybody. Anybody associated with the program of all time. I feel like. I mean, you gotta. It it's got to be Adolf Rupp, right? Like it's got it to that, be the guy that started it all. How he laid the foundation of all of this and the history behind it, and you know his thoughts on how the program has progressed since he passed and. What you know? What he thinks of Cal, and God, what he thinks of the one and done era, and those type of questions. I think that'd be fascinating as hell to get his, you know, how he would hand, handle the transfer portal. I mean, those type of questions. I think would be fascinating as hell. So I, I, I think, think that
0: has to be the answer. Uh, I do, and those questions.
1: Yeah, I, I think that would be one hundred percent my my icon and the questions I'd ask. All right, actually, we'll end it with this one 100%. I promise. We'll get you out of here with this sean Kyle Lambert, when does Shaden Sharp get to campus and will uh, and this will be another question I ask you that nobody's asked but I want to ask you. <laughs> do you after seeing this team play for 3 weeks now, do you think that Shaden Sharp needs to play when he I personally I think he arrives on campus in the next couple weeks. There's a um the winter session starts mid to late December and then January is when that spring semester starts. So we are, we are, uh, he might be on his way to campus now, honestly, that he, you know, getting set up and ready to enroll for that winter winter session. So I think we are very, very close to seeing Shaden Sharp arrive, but Sean, after seeing this team play, what are your thoughts on the idea of, of having him play now?
0: I still don't know, honestly. I mean, if he, if he comes in and he, in those practices with the team and he just looks that much better than people, then yeah, you got to play him. Like if he, if he's, if he's the the consensus number one player and he comes in and he carves out a role and he finds a spot to play major minutes or a major role, and it could lead you to a final four or a national championship, you got to play.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat right now. I think honestly right now is probably when you would have wanted to play him because Davion's out well, Dante's not shooting all that well. I think now would have been a great time to get a, get him in, you know, throw him in late games and just see what the hell you got with him. I think that's that's when I would when I would have preferred to use him. And it kind of sucks. I want to see you know. how
0: this team does this December stretch. Like, how do they handle Ohio State, Notre Dame, Louisville? I mean, if they're if they're winning games and they look good, then I could see them not playing. But like, I, I just think that if it comes down to it, and he can help, like if he can help them win
1: a national championship or make a deep run. He'll be on the floor, I think. Yeah, that's kind of my assumption, and it's it's going to be a wait and see. And I think Cal, when he was asked about it, uh, he said something similar. He said, "You know, we'll see. We'll we'll see what he is." He said he may not be in shape. He may not be physically ready. Um, you know, you won't have any idea until you get him on campus and you could get a feel for him. You know, get your hands on him, see. Uh, you know, how he responds to the competitiveness and in, in practice and how he adjusts to uh, you know the physicality and some of those those questions that you know you know the skill is there, but there's so much more than just making shots. Uh, I think it's it's definitely gonna be you know the the physicality of and the length and how does he adjust to uh, you know how in shape he is with Cal's, you know infamous, difficult practices how he adjusts to those sorts of things I think those are going to be questions that Cal is very eager to find out because if he checks off those boxes I don't think there's any chance in France he doesn't play I think I think there's a very clear role for him and you know it sucks he may end up taking Dante Allen's minutes he may cut into Davion Mintz's minutes but and I'm not saying we're going to throw him in for 35 minutes a game and he starts you know ideally that if if he's good enough to do those things then I think that's a recipe for absolute success, and you can't turn down that opportunity. But I think worst ca- best case slash worst case, I think it's, I think he comes in, he plays 10 minutes a game, he gets you know a couple scoring opportunities, he gets hot a couple times, and, and you just kind of let him find his flow for the game, and, and we'll see what happens. I think that's kind of the, uh, my gut with him right now. I still think well, like, that like I, I think it's too early to make a final decision one way or the other.
0: It's one of those things right now that there's no rotation set. And Cal said it the other night that he thinks it's going to be a game-to-game thing. And, and that comment right there makes me think that you couldn't see shade and play. Mm-hmm. If there's no set rotation, I think Cal's going to try, kind of try everything.
1: Yeah, that's, it's it'll be a wait and see game. They will they will entertain the possibility just like Shaden is entertaining the possibility. You talk to people close to him and they say, "Yeah, if if Cal wants him to do it, he'll be ready." I mean, we we've got him ready to play college basketball right now. He's not coming to play college basketball, he's going there to develop and and you know, do his own thing, but if that's what Cal needs him to do, then he's going to do it, and I think that's a pretty confident statement. That if their camp thinks, "Yeah, my kid is ready to go in there and compete right now at the college level," well, then it's got to feel good for Kentucky fans.
0: My hope is it's not in desperation mode, though. That's true. Like that's the biggest thing. Like uh, we we've seen we've seen situations where coaches have had to go desperation mode, and I I don't know. Like we'll there's I could see it playing out three or four different ways I want to wait until he gets on campus I want to see how this team performs in the next few weeks uh how the guards are doing what's the injury situation uh and just what the rotation looks like I know Cal said it's going to be game to game at some point that game to game is going to settle in it's going to be eight guys like I fully believe that uh once everybody's healthy I think the rotation and everything will be carved out but I just want to wait and see exactly what happens with that but I mean we'll see what happens.
1: Yep. That is what we will do. We'll we shall see. All right, let's uh get out of here. I know we went over on time and I guess it makes up for since so it's been a, mi- a minute since we've recorded. So, uh hopefully you guys enjoyed this shenanigans and us rambling through a bunch of different questions because we don't usually we don't often get to do that and we we like the uh engagement and the interaction so we appreciate your questions and we appreciate you guys listening as always and sean i appreciate you joining me as always where can fans find your work
0: you can find my work at go big and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country
1: you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sports to Say podcast. We will see you then.